Who do you think Arnold is? Well, I've got a theory. Could be Bernard, a robot Bernard. No, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. Could be Dolores. He hid himself inside a massive robot mind. Yes, I've got a theory. We should podcast fast. Every week, a new hot take. We cannot take them back. Howdy, partner. Welcome to the saloon. Why don't you sit on, on down and mosey on down and have a seat? Just kidding. It was me, Jacob Burrows, all along. Definitely not a host. Definitely not a hybrid. Although I am sort of encompassing two minds in my mind right now because I am taking on the persona of Jim Scampoli, my co-host, to bring you this coverage of Westworld Season 2, Episode 4, a really good episode. Uh, I'll speak for Jim. I feel confident uh, in that. He did fuck off to Shogun World, is the thing. He did He did abandon us all and go to Shogun World. He is in Tokyo right now. Also, he claims, I of course know he is clearly on the moon. Wow, it's really like they're trying to trying to block the truth here, because as I was saying, we'll see if it happens again. He's clearly on the moon, okay? And we'll get into that theory a little bit later. But uh, first off, welcome to Westworld Theories, everyone. What is the name of this episode? Uh, it was... The Riddle of the Sphinx, written by Gina Atwater and Jonathan Nolan, and directed by Lisa Joy, which I believe is her first directing credit. Uh, it definitely is on this show, if nothing else. One of the show creators and... Uh, I mean, a lot of it is owed to the writing, of course, but um, the direction should not be put to shame either because all, all in all, it all came together here and they delivered something that's not just set up, but they actually give you some, you know, sense that something's happening, some reveals, some, some like punches in the face and the gut. Um, and I think that's what everyone's been saying. It's, it's people, critics have called it uh, one of the strongest episode yet which I wouldn't necessarily argue with. Um, so I'm doing a slightly shorter episode, of course, because I'm just here rambling on my own. Actually, it could end up being way longer just based on that, because I could talk forever, you don't even know. No one here to interrupt me! <laughs> I'm going to go through uh, the episode quite quickly and give you some feedback from our listeners, which, of course, you can also send in for next week's episode at showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com, or we do have westworldtheory at gmail.com. Just send it on in and we'll include it in the discussion. Uh, there's also some new information that's come to light, so that does affect our theories and so forth. And first off, I need to apologize to uh, one of our listeners, Stephanie, who sent in her theory of, uh, yeah, Delos has already developed immortality, but for whatever, whatever reasons, they haven't shared it. And uh, talking about how James Delos is immortal, hanging out in this glass facility that we saw for one second in a Super Bowl trailer. And, uh, you know, apparently this was a theory that was going around, and I, in true Jacob Burrow's fashion, was like, this is just a little frame. How do you get all that from just that little frame? Um... But you did. You, you got it. You pretty much got it right. Um, the twist that makes it make sense is that they don't actually know how to do immortality. Uh, they're trying, and they've been trying, and uh, that's clearly a huge part of their investment. Um, but they, they don't have an immortal James Delos just hanging out in a bunker, because that would feel sort of weird. I mean, they do, but uh, it's, it's you know, a, a bunch of different iterations and always going a little bit wrong. So we start the episode with what is presumably an early loop. Um, 
where we see the basics that we'll get a variation of through the episode where Delos says his little lines and everything and then William gets to hand him a paper and we don't see what's on the paper but it's pretty heavily implied that they've had this conversation before and of course they will have it again. Um, Then there's this William storyline in the future. Let's call him the man in black. Let's just go with that to keep it simple. The man in black in the future uh, is hanging out with Lawrence And it starts out with a bunch of railway workers using bodies to uh, secure the tracks. And it does seem like an unstable foundation, if you ask me. But either way, the tracks are heading the wrong way. And uh, they need to go through Lawrence's hometown. Which not only brings Lawrence face-to-face with his past, but of course, the man in black as well. Because this is the town we saw early on in season one, where... It's hard, but I'll try to call... To keep it simple, the man in black, not William. The man in black in season one, we didn't know who he was at the time. Um, He was being a real dickhead in this town, acting a lot like the bad guy character here, who I believe uh, his name is uh, Caddick. Um, He he was acting very similar. Um, So, you know, this is all part of Ford's game, uh, and it's like Ford's way of making him come face to face with his past in more ways than one, because of course we know he's also heading off to uh, put right the wrongs of his past. And, you know, I I really like this episode, it all ties together so well, because at other times it feels like, we're off here doing one thing, we're off there doing one thing, fucking who cares? Um, And here it's actually all very well connected, because we get to see William as a young man, and who he was then and what his goals were, and we get to see him failing at doing this thing for Delos, and then arriving uh, in this lab as an old man, and we see his change in attitude and his change in plan. So we see him, we, we see all that, and at the same time, we're, we're with him in the present. I'll be careful, I mean, it's not the present, technically. None of this is the fucking present. But we see him anyway coming face to face with his past in this town with Lawrence, um, with Caddick, who's a real dick, and talking about how he's death incarnate, or no, yeah, he's death's emissary or what have you. And he's playing around with nitroglycerin and he's dancing with Lawrence's wife, which I think the man in black was doing in season one as well, kind of being a dick all around. So he he's coming face to face with that. And in the end, yeah, he does save everyone. Kind of. Um, then then the daughter, who delivered a message to him from Ford pretty much in season one, also says, you think you're hot shit, eh, Man in Black? You still did all this bad stuff. And uh, the Man in Black is like, what are you talking about? I'm just playing the game. But it's clear, at least, that he doesn't think humanity should be seeking immortality in this way that he has been doing for a lot of years. I mean, I guess that is how he sold his stepfather on the whole thing and uh, got him involved. Now, I will admit that I thought young, ruthless William was the type of guy who would have put his stepfather down there and then gone like, well... Wash my hands of that. That's set fire to that lab, you know. I, I, it doesn't really matter. You're legally dead and I have all your shit. So he does come to that realization later. 
but I'm surprised it took him that many years to crack that nut. Um, I suppose he probably wanted the immortality thing for himself or all the power that would come with the Secret Delos project and all that. I, I, I can't think that he actually cared about this old man who people like his legacy more than him as a person. Like, they didn't even like him that much when he was alive. And, like, there's no way William is up shedding tears at night over his lost father, uh, stepfather. So, uh, but but there is obviously a lot of power here. I mean, obviously, it's immortality. Um, so it makes sense that he would keep trying to seek it. And he's given up and he's going to blow that shit up. But, um... Clearly Delos hasn't. I mean, we have all these other characters running around, and it is still not totally clear what the goal of all the data and all the stuff they've been doing is. But we have some fairly large pieces of the puzzle now. For example, in order to make one of these hybrids, you need an observation period, as of course you need their DNA, but more importantly, you need to observe them and their behavior and their dialogue or all these different things, and we know the park is a huge fucking behavior analyzing thing, or at least data collection thing, as we've talked about. Uh, it's a huge observational project, as William in the past has stated. We're gonna get all this data, man, on what these people like and don't like. And at the time, we were like, well, are you just gonna give them better Facebook ads? Like, what's the point of all this data? But they also care about the DNA, and with this in mind, uh, pretty much seems like if they perfect this technology, they could make immortal versions of any of the visitors of the park. And uh, that's a pretty valuable thing to be able to do. It does add up why they care more about this data than about any, uh, anything else going on in this park, and will let countless people die. What is the actual purpose of making people immortal in that way? Um, well, first of all, you could sell it to all the rich visitors. Like, oh, you see, you've got a bit of a cough there. We'll sort that out right for you real quick with this. But then there's also the aspect that they could control these hybrids. So Delos would, in fact... Yes, they would make people immortal, but they would also, you know, they could have secret command words, freeze motor functions on the president or whoever. Um, and... We've also seen how hosts, I mean, not when they're totally uh, conscious um, necessarily, but generally they're acting in these patterns. And if you have all the behavioral data, you can predict them um, and you can predict what they're going to do. I mean, just get one of these pads and you can see what the person in front of you is about to do. And that could also be very valuable from a business slash controlling the known world sense. Um, so it's pretty valuable. We need to talk about Bernard next, because Clementine does drag him off at the end of the previous episode and dumps him outside this cave where he goes in and finds a chained-up Elsie. And uh, I'll pull up a tweet real quick that I liked from PlantClone666, who wrote, I can believe meticulously recreated replicas of the human form with a burgeoning sentience that's leading to an awakening that will thrust them into self-awareness. But Elsie sleeping in dirt for days and her hair being perfectly straight and clean is a load of crap. And I'll uh, agree. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that. Um, but either way, it is kind of nice to see Elsie again. You'd forgotten about her, hadn't you? Uh, I know you have, but, but it's nice to see her again. Bernard's all messed up, probably due to all the data he absorbed off Peter Abernathy. Um, it's given him a cognitive lock, as Elsie calls it, and she puts him in safe mo mode, like a, like a PC, 
And uh, he does use his catchphrase, is this now? Uh, I knew that shit would be important. Um, and we get an explanation of it as well. Elsie um, says that his code is all scrambled and he can't tell memories from the present. He's basically like a, a memento man. Well, that's clearly not what memento is. But you know what I'm saying? He's got r- weird memory stuff going on, which is going to probably be very important later. Before we leave the start of the Bernard storyline, I wanted to mention that I think it's interesting that Clementine brings him there, and they even explain it. He says, oh, you know, Ford, I think it's all Ford, uh, Bernard says, and um, I mean, Clementine is serving Dolores, and granted, her minions are not as woke as woke Dolores, but uh, it does sort of feel like, yeah, Ford is still pulling the strings of everyone you're following, Dolores, uh, making them drop off Bernard's here and there. And um, I know you talk a lot about having free will, Dolores, and uh, determining stuff for yourself, but that uh, is not necessarily the case, as we see this is all part of what Ford wanted you to do. Uh, granted, just because someone else wants you to do something doesn't necessarily mean you don't want to do it too, but, uh, I don't know. Uh, Maeve might be more on the money going after her thing rather than just, uh, doing the program and stuff that's already built into her, because it's clear Dolores is all acting according to Ford, or I I guess it's not super clear, but it feels like it. Then again, Maeve is also acting according to code, and I guess it's all part of the whole theme, like, what is free will and so on. The Bernard storyline ends with this uh, <laughs> great scene where they they take out the final Delos, the final ultimate version of Delos, and until we saw an earlier version terminated, I thought that it was going to be the same hybrid kept down there for a long time because, as Ford said last season, time plus suffering equals consciousness. Um, but William and Co, uh, either they don't know that, or the hybrid thing is totally different, though, um, it could indicate that the final version was closer to real, because it suffered more. Yes, it was insane, much like we've seen other hosts go insane when they try to process too much. Um, he knew he was a robot, and he started cutting himself up and acting all weird, but he did suffer a lot. And that might have made him, in those final moments, more real than any of the previous versions. And yes, his weird uh, lines about there only being one father and the one above is a reflection. Good, good stuff. Very nice. Uh, Some good acting going on and great mood. Either way, we know he probably wasn't in there suffering for a super long time because, as Reddit user Comrade Vlad pointed out, we see 14 days passed on the top of the screen when Bernard is in there trying to figure out what's happened, which means that the final William Dello scene is only two weeks before uh, Bernard and Elsie discovered this ruined facility. Two weeks. Hmm, where have I heard that before? I don't believe anything is happening when it's supposedly happening, especially now that we got this whole Bernard when is now, who is what thing going on. Season one has also taught us, by the way, do not ignore the symbols. And uh, they have this symbol on the Delos facilities that is sort of like a hexagonal shape. Um, It is also the same symbol on the map owned by Grace, who's later revealed to be William's daughter, the woman from the Raj. Uh, She had that map 
uh, earlier, showing that she wasn't really hunting tigers, she was hunting something different. And I can't take credit for this, but it's been pointed out that the hexagonal pattern is sort of similar to an infinity symbol, um, which would make sense given that they're searching for immortality. It's also similar to all the round shapes in the Delos facility, like the hourglass and all that stuff is uh, some nice uh, synergy going on with their branding. Someone on YouTube also pointed out that it looks a bit like a Venn diagram with maybe humans in one circle, hosts in the other, and the middle is this new hybrid immortal creature that they're searching for. Grace, by the way, already got caught by the Ghost Nation, so she's brought in with Stubbs, who says, oh, you know, the theories are all right about the Ghost Nation, basically because they're killing hosts but not killing the guests, which we've heard theories before about how they're maybe part of the park's security system, keeping guests safe, um, which and I don't see anything in here c to contradict that. It does seem like it. They bring them to a place. They bring them to the first one, um, who is this Ghost Nation character that we recognize from Maeve's storyline as the one coming in, potentially to reclaim Maeve's daughter in the past, who might actually have been a human she kidnapped when she went crazy? That's another theory. But either way, it's the first of the... It's the first of us, whatever they say. The Ghost Nation guy who was also with Logan in the flashback to the past when, um, when they were showing off all the hosts. Either way, the Ghost Nation threatens them a bit, then lets them go. Grace runs away first, though, she's, so she's not with the rest. And yes, at the end of the episode, it is revealed that it's William's daughter. And honestly, I should have seen this coming. I mean, it's a young woman with ties to Delos. Ugh, how did I not crack that? I even thought when he was talking to um, when he was talking to Delos, when Man in Black was talking to Mr. Delos, he was saying how everyone's dead. You know, oh, my wife and your wife and all these people. I even thought, not your daughter though. Your daughter's not dead. I remember from season one. Where's she at? But. <laughs> I didn't put it together. I guess I didn't care that much for the Raj woman and the whole storyline. But then in the end, it all added up and made sense. Good reveal. One final question I'll leave you with. Whose mind did Bernard make? Because uh, he says that Ford had him go there and make a little brain thing and then kill everyone. So who did he make? Was it Ford? It does seem a bit counterintuitive because he, you know offed himself for a reason. Um, I don't know. I don't think that he also thinks, yeah, immortality is the shit. Us humans should live forever and rule over the hosts. I mean, that's obviously not what he's about. Maybe it's more, uh, more likely that he made Arnold. I'll read a bit of a theory on Reddit by PFO Judea, who thinks that Ford is still the puppet master, host sentience notwithstanding, the gala, his death, the fallout, all of it. Ford has built an Arnold clone in his own underground lab. Bernard might have been involved as well, and his memory of this was conveniently wiped by Ford as always. Ford instructs Bernard to steal the red human brain ball and kill the Tex. And the speculation here is Ford has said that Arnold was right all along and that he realized only much later. He makes this confession in the recent episodes. Arnold had the right intentions, but Ford discovered the mechanisms of host to gain consciousness is through suffering. I think Ford's legacy is getting the hosts to consciousness and then leaving the future in Arnold's hands. Sometime after Bernard and Elsie leave the secret Delos lab, Bernard boots up clone Arnold and inserts the red brain ball 
<laughs> All this pre-programmed by Ford before his own gala death. We already know that Bernard is breaking down. His cortical fluid loss and code patches are temporary at best. He survives long enough to get Arnold up and running and then kicks the bucket, bites the bullet, meets his maker. Now Arnold wakes up on the beach, confused, disoriented, and without a clue. There is no more Bernard. Also, Arnold on screen is not wearing glasses. This is how I am telling Bernard. This is how I'm telling the Bernard scenes apart from the Arnold scenes. Bernard has a scar because, yes, he did shoot himself, I think, in season one, and he got this scar, and he got the shakes, and he got the glasses, while, Erna while Arnold in the present has no scar, no shakes, and he's confused, and he has no glasses. Um, and while this Reddit user says, I might be getting some of the details wrong, I honestly don't think they're on completely the wrong path. There is another possibility as far as who they made. Um, Mitrasina on Reddit writes, when a human realizes it's in a host body, it experiences an existential crisis resulting in a malfunction. Hybrids need to realize that hosts are the same as people. Only then can they overcome this plateau. Ford's game is to make William come to that realization. So when it's finally revealed to him that he is a hybrid, he doesn't malfunction. That's interesting. Then there's a bit of feedback. Jamie wrote that they're really excited for Shogun World, although it is advertised on the site as being for the connoisseur of gore. I was just hoping to hear some Japanese, but I guess the katana's on the wall and they're gonna use it. They also wrote, the maze was obviously prominent in season one, but the door is a bit more ambiguous here. Is it a door to the outside world? A door to consciousness? There are definitely lots of important physical doors too, like the one Delos was hidden behind. My comment on that, me Jacob, is that it feels like the door is something they threw in to be kind of similar to the maze, um, which isn't necessarily bad. I mean, the maze was just this thing they kept repeating, and if I remember right, it was just, you know, the maze of Dolores finding herself. It was like, oh, it was all a metaphor for what's been happening all along. Which almost makes me feel like, yeah, maybe they'll go the other way. Maybe it will be, literally be a door. Um, but they do that with a lot of stuff. You know, they, they drop these things in like glory and the weapon and the pearly gates and, and this and that. And there's the cradle that was taken out and we haven't even gotten into that. Um, but it's all to intentionally make it hard to keep track. And in season one, I, find, I found that frustrating. But uh, now that, I don't know, I know more what the show is and what to expect... It's part of the fun, really. Or what do you think? Send us your feedback to showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com or westworldtheory at gmail.com. Uh, you could also actually tweet us a video or audio file of your thoughts, or just a text, right after you watch the next episode. Just tweet it at showswhatyouknow, that's you, the letter you. And we'll see if it we can include it next time. For now, though, that's everything from us here at the saloon. And I thank y'all for moseying on down. Now you mosey on out of here. Old death will come for you like a specter from the night. And I really just got one more question for you there, partner. Is this now? <laughs>